I... I... Well, I like to... Paint. Well, go on, Boris. <laughs> I, get, I get old, um, I don't know, cr wooden crates. Yeah. Right? And then I paint them. Well, go on, Boris. What <laughs> <laughs> you have to worry, what you have to worry about is romantic urges. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, no, well, I, 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 my, my dog is endless. <laughs> okay. Well, go on, Boris. Mate. Well, go on, Boris. You know, if you if you were a miscreant, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to mess with them. Them, you know, biting the seat of your pants. Well, go on, Boris. With what? Hello there, you salacious smokers. It's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 220 today. It's marvellous to be here. And, uh, you know, so have they sent out the uh, the puffs of the white smoke yet? Isn't that how you elect a, elect a prime minister in the UK now? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is, is, that, is that how you elect a pope or is that how you elect a prime minister? You hear... From the, uh, the 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 annals of uh, Westminster, the, uh, the the white puffy smoke exiting uh, the chimney, and uh, then you know a new prime minister has been elected. Well, I, I don't know about that, but apparently though, what's going to happen tomorrow? Because uh, Liz Truss is the uh, is the favourite to uh, to become the new prime minister. Yes, yeah, she's the favourite, and uh, she has to fly up to Balmoral because the poor queen has mobility issues at the moment and she's going to be sort of uh, we say crowned with it be the sort of uh, parliamentary coronation yeah that's going to happen so the parliamentary coronation is going to happen uh, on uh, tomorrow uh, and then uh, believe uh, the official prime minister duties begin uh, the next day so you have sort of a, a last day of uh, freedom and everything else uh, before you become prime minister Boris Johnson's going to be going on a separate plane, so all the sort of uh, uh, policies regarding the environment, uh, so they're both flying up on separate planes. I mean, there's the safety issues, obviously, and, uh, and uh, Boris will have his last piece of uh, bants, his last piece of banter with the Queen uh, tomorrow, and then he will uh, exit on his merry way, uh, and probably will make some sort of barnstorming uh, <laughs> repeat performance in a few years' time. Ala Winston Churchill, just you just never know with this guy, do you? He it's so interesting. I read an article the other day that this uh, buffoonery, uh, that people like this buffoonery. They they like a right lad, they like a rogue. That's what the British people like a rogue, and that's why uh, he's become so popular. Now they don't want to get rid of him. Uh, so yeah, the puffs of white smoke will be coming out and hopefully there'll be lots of puffs of white smoke. No black smoke coming from your barbecues this weekend as you grill this final time of grilling. For the, is, do people put their barbecues away after Labor Day or after the August bank holiday in the UK? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that they would do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I say keep the grills out. Keep the, keep the barbecues going. Uh, for the winter because there's nothing better if you don't like your house smelling of bacon now the smell of bacon is wondrous uh, within the first 30 minutes 
Two days later, and that stale bacon smell, yeah, you don't, you can't, you can't aerate it. So I recommend cooking your bacon on the grill outside. That's the way to, that's, that is the way to do it, people. Yeah, I've given up the barbecue. I have enough trouble setting up the, setting off the smoke alarm in the little mini chappy towers that I have these days. Um, so I've gone to the air fryer, and you do not get that much smoke. Very rarely do you also set off the uh, the fire alarm if you have if you too have a very small chappy towers. I mean, I'm sure there's other people who have very tiny chappy towers around there. So I've given up the barbecue, and uh, I'll even dry my soaking wet slippers after the dog's been chewing them. I'll just pop those in the air fryer for five minutes, and uh, Bob's your uncle. I was going to take Queen George uh, the Border Collie to the vets the other day. I thought I needed to give the dog a bath. So much fluff, so much hair. I ended up having to, after the bath, uh, use the, um, I was going to say the trouser snake, not the trouser snake, the, uh, the, the plug hole, the, yeah, yeah, the old plug hole snake. Uh, to get all the hair out and all the dirt and umska from the uh, from the plug hole and the pipes and everything else, uh, because that dog has so much fur, and I didn't have any dog shampoo, and uh, I thought, you know, I'm gonna try the put some Old Spice tea tree oil shampoo, and then uh, obviously panic him all night because uh, too much concentrated tea tree oil is poisonous for dogs. Luckily, I washed it all out uh, very very nicely. But it, but it made me not only panic, but also think about the amount of dog hair that a Border Collie has, the excess dog hair. Now, I know you can give hair away. Humans can give hair away, um, you know, to various charities, cancer charities, uh, whatever. And people can have wigs made out of human hair. But how about if I want a wig made out of dog hair? Because, I mean, that would be quite fun, wouldn't it? You could have, you know, you could have the, uh, like, a black and white weave going on. Look a little bit of a skunky type of look going on. Hope, hopefully without any fleas. And smelling of tree, tea tree oil would be absolutely perfect, I think, for a, a nice, uh, a nice little, uh, nice little dog weave. But so uh, vet trip went very, very well, and uh, found that uh, George, who's the biggest eater of all, uh, actually likes um, dried up liver. Dried up liver. That made me think. Oh, dried up. Mm dried up liver mm. sounds like the sort of thing that could be at a, uh, a sort of gastronomique uh, French restaurant you dry up some liver you can imagine Heston Blumenthal giving you a sort of appetizer of uh, dried up liver flaked over a you know f- French onion soup or something it's absolutely delicious I mean I wanted to try some of that uh, dried up liver dog uh, dog treat it, it was, I was actually salivating thinking about it it's almost like a uh, a liver mousse or a pate or something along those lines and George absolutely delighted in it so it, maybe I'm gonna have to get another kitchen contraption to go with the air fryer the instant pot the griddle and everything else uh, I think I'm probably gonna have to get one uh, it's gonna be freeze dry things so I can put livers in there I can put brains I could put all sorts of offal in there um, you know, the old intestine, can you, can you eat, int- I don't know if you'd want to eat intestine, would you, but freeze-dried intestine, I mean, it, not for a human treat perhaps, but dog treat, absolutely phenomenal darlings. Yeah, so uh, yesterday in the podcast, I, uh, I, I, it was really like an end of summer sale, so I sort of regurgitated some topics from previous weeks that I didn't talk about. I mean, who would think there would be leftover content 
<laughs> from the keep calm and cauliflower cheese but there was and you know you can leave the leftover content in the week you know in, a, in the fridge for a week but then you have to eat it uh but you know risk it at your dare uh, because you could uh you could get a bit of a deli belly you could have montezuma's revenge if you eat and uh and probably in this case broadcast old content uh, but I did uh, live on eggs for a week, nothing but eggs for a whole week, uh, putting my cholesterol at risk for you, the uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese listener. Uh, it turns out that it's not particularly good for you because you're only getting one type of nutrient. Uh, we also discovered that apple cider vinegar can actually cure and control fractures. So if you have a fractured leg, yeah, you can uh, soak your leg in apple cider vinegar and it cures all hairline cracks. Well, not really. Um, I saw the crack of an egg, uh, thinking that all the insides of the egg were gonna come out as I was boiling it, but I poured in some apple cider vinegar and that hairline crack was uh, sealed. So there's method in my madness, there is scientific fact to this insanity, I promise you that. Um, also, I did lose my uh, black and red underwear. Uh, it goes into the vortex along with socks. Uh, I have found them now, so my uh, sole, uh, sole pair of underwear are now uh, been washed and ready to wear again, back to front, round the right way, back to front again and round the right way. Uh, we never talked about my fear of my dog being a vampire because it ate my bleeding nose rag the other day. That's something we didn't, uh, didn't cover, and that's probably uh, maybe, a, maybe a good thing. Uh, I would say. Um, but today, we're going to talk about the Great Vinegar Disaster that turned out to be uh, an absolute revelation. So the Great Vinegar Disaster. Uh, also, we're going to um, reminisce here a little bit today. So 1985, I think the 9th of September was my first day at school. Now, my uh, my nephew is his first day tomorrow. And uh, again, a little bit, little bit concerned, a um, little bit nervous, as I was at the time. Uh, but it's sort of how you sort of start thinking about it, reminiscing, like, uh, you know, what is it? Is it, is it, th- is it 40 years ago? I, and my mathematics is so terrible, and I cannot find my abacus anywhere. I mean, I have to look for it, probably. But yes, it's his first day, so a little, little bit of nerves, and then reminiscing about... Uh, you know, how I had to learn to uh, tie my shoelaces eventually. What can I say? I'm a slow learner, and I still do use the uh, bunny ear method. Where you take two loops, big old bunny ears, and then you sort of knot them round. And I still use that uh, to this this day. I still use that to, to this day. I also, in the week, burnt myself on a hot zipper. I found a brilliant new cheese eye cream. Uh, and uh, can you overthroth? your milk. Lots of, uh, lots of accidents here from vinegar to over-throffy milk uh, in the week. And um, I thought I'd covered myself in the DEET insect spray that smells like utter poison. You could uh, probably cover yourself in deadly nightshade or hemlock or something and it would be, uh, it probably wouldn't get the smell there. Um, but uh, you know, I used the DEET, I put it everywhere, but I forgot one place. So it's 37 years ago. Um, it, this this Monday, always the Monday after. I don't. I think it's the 9th of September that I attended my first day at uh, at boarding school, and I was uh, like suited and booted. You had that the blazer with the crest on. Uh, you had I think I had a grey shirt, charcoal grey trousers, uh, shoes. I believe with uh, with laces, but I had to learn how to do the bunny ears and 
a tie. Now, my nephew's going through the same thing, and it sort of started me sort of reminiscing about that day. Because I remembered I had to go in the Sunday before um, my, uh, my parents, my mum and dad, took a picture of uh, myself, and I believe my sister as well, outside on the lawn, and it was, it was, you know, September's in England can be, uh, you can either get the Indian summer or you can get an absolutely abysmal conditions. I think it might have been abysmal conditions. And I was very, very nervous. But I remember that I think on the first day, uh, one of the new pupils as well opened up his, uh, his tuck box. Now a tuck box is, you know, sweets, candy, all sorts of things from chocolate to gummy worms to space sauces bananas those uh, those rather tasty little shrimps you used to get all of those like penny sweets and his tuck box i mean i was thinking there would be like shoes some clothes in there his tuck box was it was almost like long john silver's treasure trove but it had full of tuck sweets and all the like overflowing and i thought what well, this is the place to be. This is like uh, utopia. This is like the land of milk and honey, but with penny sweets. I mean, that was a thing. But uh, you had to wear a tie in those days. And I think uh, I think this is part of the problem in the UK. You see, we don't wear our ties anymore. And our ties used to be nice and tight and keep our emotions in and our stiff upper lip prominent. I do love this time of year. Uh, all the peaches and plums and nectarines and pears and apples and everything else. It's like my favorite time. Lovely, all this lovely fruit. But I think, I don't know what it is over the years that I used to love a, a peach. Now, have the peaches since the 70s and 80s become fluffier? Because I can't eat them now. It's like, uh, it's like seeing a piece of pork crackling with a, with a pig hair on it. It's, it sort of put me off pork crackling uh, for the rest of my life. Um, but it, I think peaches have got hairier over the course of the years. Are they genetically modified to look like an old lady's top lip? But that, that's what I think. I mean, I don't feel that I would want to sink my teeth into them. I'm not talking about an old lady's top lip. I'm sort of past my Mrs. Robinson phase, I think. Um, but uh, I, I think they've got fluffier. So I've moved on. I've moved on to the fruit of gods, the nectarine. Now I can have them juicy, I can have them crunchy. I'm just gonna sit, stick my mouth around that thing and take a good old bite. And if juice rolls down my chin, I've got the stain level, stain devil to solve the problem. There's no problem. But uh, I don't know if my uh, taste buds have changed, but I cannot do the fluffy peach anymore. So I've always promoted this on the podcast, but now the science is ringing true. Why tea could help you live longer, according to a new study. It may have fallen out of favor amongst coffee-loving millennials, but scientists believe drinking tea may help you live longer. A study of half a million people in the UK found that those consumed two or more cups a day were 13% less likely to die from any cause. It's good news if you have a sweet tooth, the protective effect remained regardless of whether people took sugar in their tea despite the links to poor health. Experts say the findings are among the most comprehensive yet, and they're done on tea-living Brits, unlike earlier research carried out in Asia. Black tea is rich in antioxidants linked to improved heart, gut, and brain health and lower levels of bad cholesterol, blood pressure, and blood sugar. 
Britain's down a collective 100 million couples a day. I think that's just me, probably. But demand, especially amongst young people, has fallen in recent years. In 2021, coffee sales were more than double those of tea, rising 10% around 1.5 billion. The latest study carried out by the U.S. National Institutes of Health drew data around 500,000 people in the U.K. biobank. 85% of men and women aged 40 to 69 reported they drank tea regularly. Among them, 9 in 10 say they mostly consumed black tea. And also, uh, drinking coffee may uh, risk esophageal cancer. That's apparent. I mean, this isn't the tea versus coffee thing. Uh, but this is more data that's coming out. The, the tea drinking study was based on questionnaires carried out from 2006 to 2010. Compared to now, nowadays, uh, participants who reported drinking two or more brews each day had a 9 to 30% lower risk of dying. The reduced risk remained regardless of people's genes or whether they liked their tea, milky or not. He said most studies are done in Asia where green tea is most popular and few in the West, small size and inconclusive results. The article shows that the regular consumption of black tea is associated with modest reduction in total and especially cardiovascular disease mortality over 10 years. Tea is a rich source of healthy plant compounds called folanols and these act as to help control the damaging effect on cell damaging molecules in the body. These protective uh, actions have been linked to reduced risk of many chronic diseases such as heart disease and dementia. A 2020 study by Australian researchers found that drinking black tea could reduce the risk of coronary heart disease and strokes by 10 to 20%. Part of the reason that these nutrients reduce and ward off heart disease is by helping to improve the health of the arteries, widening key ones and reducing the risk of blood clots. Caffeine is tea is also thought to stimulate the release of digestive hormones that keep the gut healthy. So as Boris said the other day, you need to get yourself a new kettle forget you know you can descale the kettle but if it's a, a newer kettle is much more efficient and you can uh, make that life-saving brew so as you're wearing your black and white border collie weave your new hairpiece and you're sipping a tea that's going to increase your longevity of life also can contemplate spilling vinegar in your fridge i had a great vinegar disaster a load of malt vinegar went absolutely everywhere all in sundry across the fridge uh, it was malt vinegar, the sort of thing I'd soak my chips in. Because I like soggy, I mean, I like the chips when they're crispy, but then I soak them in vinegar. But my fridge was soaked. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to take ages to, age, ages to clean up. So I got a whole roll of uh, kitchen paper and I started mopping this up. Now, I know most of you may have done this before and you probably use the white vinegar. But I tell you, the malt vinegar gets a dirty fridge spotless you know because i've gone to all sorts of sort of moldy cauliflower uh there's mushrooms that are leaking brown juice i i need to clean up my fridge more often so it was it was a blessing in disguise it may have saved me from a bout of botulism uh by having this vinegar spill everywhere and now the bottom of the fridge is absolutely pristine now you may not be able to stand the smell of vinegar and everything's probably pickled in the fridge now, uh, but it did an absolute wonder. So I thought, I was thinking that it's a great vinegar disaster, but it was actually an epiphany that instead of using caustic bleach, I'm gonna start using malt vinegar to clean absolutely everything. I already cl clean my insides out with apple cider. Now I'm doing the malt 
and uh, it's uh, adding a certain sparkle to the kitchen. We like to bring the most serious uh, stories uh, in the news to you uh, from the week. Uh, but a pilot threatened to turn around a plane after uh, air passengers continued to airdrop nudes. A pilot threatened to turn a plane around and end everybody's holiday before. What a fun killer. If, it, if they didn't stop sending nude photographs through airdrop, the whole strange announcement was captured on video by a passenger, Taylor Marshall, who filmed the pilot stating that he had pulled back, but not pull that back but pull back into the gate sounds rude already doesn't it the pilot added we're going to have to get security involved in the rest of the video which has since been viewed by two million people the aircraft captain said everybody's vacation is going to be ruined whatever that airdrop thing is quit sending naked pictures and let's get yourself to carbo the whole scene unfolded on a southwest airlines flight to carbo mexico and is slightly reminiscent of the scene in the simpsons where the kids are complaining at the back of the car before the angry dad receives a slap in the back of the head from nelson moons however instead of back to winnipeg this plane hadn't even managed to get off the floor yet we can only assume that people were using airdrop to send things through people unsolicited which isn't a very nice thing to do so here's the deal this continues while we're on the ground i'm gonna have to pull back to the gate everybody's gonna have to get off we're gonna have to get security involved and it's vacation that's gonna be ruined so you folks whatever that airdrop thing is quit sending naked pictures let's get yourself to the combo it makes me wonder though so did the captain get one of these airdrop pictures himself because yeah i mean come on you don't want a naked picture naked as he said i mean just imagine if he received one of those pictures you don't want one of those pictures when you're trying to fly a, fly a plane. I mean, to put you out of the controls, you don't know which gear stick to pull. I mean, one of those pictures uh, in the cockpit. Oh, yeah. So coming up next week, it's the last test match. Now, Johnny Bairstow uh, won't be playing in the test match at the Oval against South Africa because I think he tripped over a T-marker. You can get injuries. I remember my dad. Uh, hitting the ladies tee marker probably five foot in front of him and it rocketed back into a tennis court and the people like you know doing the serve or like a backhand volley could have been struck by the golf ball that has happened i've injured myself on the golf course jumping over a uh, small river with my golf clubs on my back twisting my ankle and having to spend three weeks off school luckily there was test match cricket to watch and wimbledon uh, there was nothing uh, there's no uh, nothing unforeseen there i was just trying to rest my ankle but uh, so this week is the last of the test match last of uh, the uh, red ball test match cricket in white clothing uh, and just wanted to uh, give you a little bit of a etching thumbnail sketch of the reason the colorful history of crickets whites long trousers wool jumpers and an impractical color scheme how did cricket settle on such eccentric attire white is the color for the cricket field so you put on your white flannel suit and you shall have a piece of dandyism if you wear a straw hat you may wear a, red, a band ribbon provided it's a good ribbon and your straw hat must be good and shapely and not fit on your head like a beefsteak pudding said the renowned 18th century English cricketer uh, Frederick Gale of the appropriate pitch attire, quoted in a 1972 essay on the more, uh, mores of the cr uh, cricket customary. And wasn't the chap exacting his wardrobe dictates with more sartorial instruction that day at Ascot? 
I left out his thoughts on wits and shades of ribbon, by the way. It's clear that the cricketer's get-up was something of a gentlemanly pursuit in Gale's day. And it is still. All these stark ceremonial glory, the glacial glare of cricket whites are as indicative of English summertimes as pims and strawberries. At first glance, the ensemble would suggest that the great tradition of British sartorial eccentricity is alive and well on the pitch. Because after all, the look that is entirely at odds with the sporting criteria, thick woolen jumper, long trousers, all of the most in toothpaste white of bright shades, just ripe for some hearty smearing of grass and mud and stains. So why did this odd sporting uniform come about and how did it indeed manage to survive? According to Neil Robinson, research officer at the MCC, the historical Marylebone Cricket Club based in Lord's London, the sartorial codes of the cricket attire came about this simple necessity. We have to bear in mind that it goes back to its organisation. Cricket goes back to the 18th century and they had to use the materials that were readily available. And the choice of all white was purely practical. Cricket being a summer sport meant that white was most fitting device to reflect the sun's glare. White wasn't the uniform of choice until around the 19th century. In the 18th century, cricketers would wear everyday clothing, short jackets, waistcoats or waistcoats and top hats. Handsomely dressed gentlemen routinely perspiring across pastoral village greens the country over. The colour white evolved with the evolution of professional cricket teams in the late 19th century. With the initial get-up and consisting of a formal white shirt emblazoned with red polka dots paired with a shirt and woolen cap, there was no particular rule about the uniform, says Robinson. It seems to have just evolved that way after great players of the age adopted white to reflect the summer rays. As for the weighty wools and long trousers that traditionally made up the quintessential cricketer's attire, it was renowned English cricketer Nicholas Felix who declared in the 1800s that the thick woolen cap would absorb perspiration. There was a push towards wool because after perspiration cotton will get cold and clammy, but wool retains its warmth. Robinson said, too was a vogue for long suit trousers born out of necessity. Cricket fields tend to be much tougher than football ones. Trousers prevented too much of an injury. Today, in the relief of many contemporary fielders, the chunky knits, jolly boaters and starch glory have been quietly sidelined in favour of breathable tech fabrics. Short sleeves and trousers designed not to make the ball leave its trademark cherry streak down the front. Mr. Gale would be nothing short of thoroughly appalled. So I have the most interesting man in the world. He lives at Chappie Towers here. I think he's retired now, because he's now grown a... Uh, He's now got a grey ponytail that looks like an old cat tail that needs to be clipped off, really. But uh, it has to be the guy. Because who else would use 1970s bronzer to keep his tan body tanned? And this is a guy in his 70s, maybe even 80s, who has a six-pack. And he does drink Dos Equis at the pool. And he has a son who may take over. And he, this guy also has graying hair and a ponytail. So I've got the most interesting man in the world living here in, in Colorado. If any man can you know, withstand the heat, the sun, the intensity of the heat here at high altitude, then it's the most interesting man in the world. But he doesn't know how to use a barbecue. He knows everything. But I saw him the other day and he spent 20 minutes and had to go and get help with the people here at Chappie Towers to turn on the barbecue. Now he can pop open a beer, 
He, uh, he's very, very good with the ladies. He may be incredibly interesting, but when it comes to lighting a barbecue, he's a dad. One of my favorite cheese brands, Cabot, have now introduced anti-wrinkle cream for under the eyes. And it made me think, I don't know if I want to be carving off hunks of, uh, of reserve Cabot, you know, 15 year old mature cheddar, however old it is, sealed in wax. I mean, you could actually put the, seal your face in wax to stop it from aging. I'm wondering if that would work. But now they have, I don't know, it, it may be a different company, but assuming you can now use the Cabot cheese and put it under your eyelids and stop those wrinkles, it's almost a contradiction in terms. You've got mature cheddar that's making you look less mature because you're putting the cheese under your eyes. Now, I mean, that would be a problem because it has a, a subtle smell, strong taste, but subtle smell. Uh, and, you know, if you've got any room in your sandwich box and keeping cheese under eyes may be a, a convenient carrying option. But uh, thank God it's not a Gorgonzola because uh, you, you would never, you'd be a single, a single man or woman for life if you're spreading Gorgonzola or a, or a stinking bishop under your eyes, wouldn't you? So occasionally we like to bring you Rate My Plate. But this is another Twitter handle, Footy Scram. And uh, this gentleman bought black pudding sausage roll at Rangers Football Club for £3. And uh, it, it looks absolutely abysmal. It looks soaked in grease for a start. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a black pudding sausage roll. And these are some of the comments. Disgusting, but those sweaties deep fried bounty bars should say everything about them. Served straight from the toilet bowl, mate. Looks decent. No tar. Black pudding is like the stuff too awful to go into a haggis. Minging, minging, minging. That stuff still confuses my palate hugely. Sometimes it tastes like manna from heaven. Other times it tastes like uh, bloody boggies and boogies. I've heard that people sometimes pull that out of their nose after sniffing cocaine or really raw caustic speed. Too many nosebleeds in my life to eat blood willingly. That looks dry and I'm not funny. When he turns his nose towards you, that means he expects a kiss. Says Joy Henny. Joy Henny's emotional support animal, Wally Gator, goes with him almost everywhere, from grocery stores to walks in the parks. They hug each other and sleep in the same bed. Wally Gator is an alligator. When he turns his nose towards you, he expects a kiss, says Henny69. That's not Henny's, like, <laughs> Twitter tag. Henny69, he's 69 years old. The two watch television together on the couch, and when Henny takes him to the farmer's market, Wally Gator gives hugs to shoppers as long as they're okay with being close to a 70-pound reptile with a mouthful of razor-sharp teeth. Wally is definitely not your average crocodilian, says Henny, explaining that most people in his community are familiar with his seven-year-old, five-and-a-half-foot emotional support crocodile. Wally Gator is following on TikTok and Instagram. He's a very special gator, but I wouldn't recommend anyone get one. If you don't know what you're doing, you might get bit. Seems obvious, doesn't it? Henny's unusual relationship with Wally Gator started in 2015 when a friend called from Florida and asked if he could take a few gators that had been found in a pond in Orlando. Henny makes a living in woodcrafting, but he also enjoys caring for reptiles as a pastime. Alligators are legal alone in Pennsylvania, 
and Henny has helped relocate unwanted alligators, snakes, and iguanas to wildlife sanctuaries as a hobby for about 30 years. He keeps his reptile, uh, rescue reptiles in his home in separate indoor enclosures that he purchased for this purpose. He also finds sanctuaries or zoos that will take them. He's unusually called to rescue alligators when people taking cute baby gators as pets and then inevitably they turn out to be large animals difficult to handle. Henny told his Florida friend that he could take in three juvenile alligators after a while he sent two of the gators to Reptile Refuge in New York but he decided to keep Wally Gator who was 14 months at the time. I bonded with him and was committed to caring for him. One of the problems when somebody gets an alligator or a pet, they don't realize it's they're in it for the long haul. They breathe air and generally live in fresh water, but their skin does not need to stay wet for survival. It's common for people to want alligators as pets, uh, but they normally get to three feet. Nobody wants them. They can bite and extremely hard to handle. Wildlife experts agree alligators don't generally make good pets. The jaw pressure of an alligator's bite is incredibly strong and their powerful tails can whip you. They're also predators who are hardwired to believe that other creatures want to eat them. I definitely assume that Henny is an exception when it comes to caring for an alligator. Most people don't have that kind of time to devote to a pet alligator. The large reptiles require special diet enrichment such as logs uh, or to live in or hide under as well. They should never be handled by people who aren't trained. I was depressed and Wally Gator started to do silly things to cheer me up. When I was on the couch, he'd pull off my blanket to the floor. Soon Wally Gator was up on the couch with him. Stealing the covers became a favourite pastime and curling up and watching together Gator Boys on television. Wally Gator's also helped him emotionally as he endured recent uh, health hardships. And uh, one of his physicians, his doctor, shocked him when the physician uh, offered up the idea what happened if you register Wally Gator as an emotional support animal? Are you off your rocker? But when he went home that day with a letter from the doctor stating that Wally Gator qualified as an emotional support animal. People were surprised when they learned that Henny's alligator joined the ranks of emotional support peacocks and donkeys. He has been known to dress him up in a tuxedo and sunglasses and sometimes a hat. The mozzies are out in force at the moment. I've been bitten to death. I know this is like a sort of July, August topic on the podcast every year. But, you know, I, I've used the uh, apple cider vinegar. That really helps take down a little bit of the itch. But I've been itching absolutely everywhere. So when I go outside in the evening or play golf or something, I, I spray myself, nearly all of my body. I spray myself with the DEET spray that smells like absolute poison. It's, it smells like the sort of thing that may make you keel over. But, had the situation the other day, everything covered, tip to toe, top to toe, behind the ears, they love biting behind my ears. I mean, it's, it's like nibbling behind the ears. But no bites everywhere. I'm thinking, I've solved the problem. And then, I found two bites on the left buttock cheek and obviously I'm not like in the bathroom spraying walking into the mist of the poison air making sure it's on my bottom cheeks as well now I don't do that maybe I need to do it though because I have two very itchy bites on the buttock cheek now and uh, it's quite problematic so I'm gonna have to start spraying my buttock cheeks with the deets as well because those little pesky things they go up the trouser leg I mean, they even get it, get through and beyond a tight boxer. 
Now, are there, are there like little stinging mechanisms so acute they can penetrate through the slivery thin uh, lining of a boxer short? Maybe. I mean, I'm never going to go commando playing golf anymore, that's for sure. But I don't know what to do here. So I'm going to have to deet up my, uh, my backside, my buttocks, before I go out. Because there's nothing worse than an itchy ass. Oh, thank you there, my boys. Uh, thank you there, my boys. It's been lovely having you here today for the podcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I believe it's episode 220, but you may have to... Those of you who are taking notes... You'll have to go back and check your notes religiously to see if it is episode 220. Yeah, I don't know. It might be. It could be 220. Like and subscribe where you can. It's very, very lovely to have people like and subscribe. It keeps the ego massaged slightly. As I like to massage the tea bags out of the out of the tea kettle, you know, with the with the Yorkshire tea, I have to massage the tea bags with the spoon. But like, yes, Ego Massage is very, very nice. So like and subscribe. You can hear it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Slacker Breaker. You can listen on Audible, Pandora, TuneIn, absolutely everywhere. I mean, if you tickle, not tickle, or tickle eyes, if you tickle eyes a crocodile's, uh, if you tickle a croc's nose, an alligator's nose, you might hear the sound of keep calm and cauliflower cheese emanating. I mean, uh, it's a perfect, uh, perfect addition to your emotional support crocodile or alligator listening to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese because you won't feel so bad about yourself. That's, a, that's the key, key point there. Uh, we do have a, a, a musical edition, though. The Butler Emporium Playlist Edition is uh, me, uh, you know, clotheslining, uh, haranguing uh, bits of music uh, from very talented artists in between my inferior rumblings yes so this week we have such wonders as prince uh we have some sweet as pie we have some space hog we have some calvin harris we have some frank sinatra we have some paul mccartney and wings live and let die we have some deacon blue fergus sings the blues and many 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 more but coming up next we do have a poem the september morning on an apple-ripe September morning through the mist-chill fields, I went with a pitchfork on my shoulder, less for use them, for devilment. The threshing mill was set up, I knew in ha- Cassidy's haggard last night, and we owed them a day of the threshing since last year. Zero, it was the delight. To be paying bills of laughter and chaffy gossip in kind, with work thrown into the ballast, a fantasy-soaring mind. As I crossed the wooden bridge, I wondered as I looked up into the drain if ever a summer morning shall find me shoveling up eels again. And I thought of the wasp's nest in the bank and how I got chased one day, leaving the drag and scraw knife behind how I covered my face with hay. The wet leaves of the cocksfoot polished my boots as they went round by the glistening bog holes, lost in unthinking joy. I'm carrying bags today. I muse the best job of the mill with plenty of time to talk to other loaves as we wait for the bags to fill. Maybe Mary might call round. And then I came to the haggard gaze and I knew as I entered that I had come through the fields that were part of no earthly estate. Be back again next week, ladies and gentlemen, for another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese as we head into the fullness of of autumn. Have a delightful week and I look forward to talking to you all again soon.
Cheerio. Hey, you have to worry. What you have to worry about is romantic urges. Well, go on, Boris. <laughs> With what?